0: Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share practical, tactical advice, and some inspiration on how they arrived at career satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we're breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch the Sunday blues. Welcome to the No More Mondays movement. Hello and welcome to No More Mondays. As always, I am your host, Angie Callen. Today, I am re-releasing a very special episode featuring my friend Ashish Kothari ahead of the release of my conversation with him on his podcast, The Happiness Squad. My conversation with him is going to air on August 8th, which means you've got plenty of time to listen into to this episode where he and I talk about why happiness is so critical to our livelihood and why focusing on it now is more important to our overall well-being than it has ever been. Then you can tune into my chat with him on the Happiness Squad on August 8th, where he and I will dig a little bit deeper into this overall concept, and how it specifically applies to job satisfaction, and even that terrifying reality that many are facing right now with layoffs. Ashish is a bright light in this world, and I am so, bra- so proud to be part of his initiative to touch one billion people and spread happiness across the world. I hope you'll listen in and learn how you can get yourself into a better place and also be part of this ripple effect. Enjoy! I want you to stop what you're doing for a minute. If you're driving, maybe don't do the following exercise unless you pull over, but stop what you're doing, close your eyes, and imagine. Imagine what it would be like to just be happy, to be content and satisfied with life, to feel like you've reached your potential, and to flourish and be happy about it. Well, you can open your eyes. And continue what you were doing while listening in on this conversation, because today's guest is on a mission to help you do exactly that. As the founder of the Happiness Squad, Ashish Kothari embodies everything he stands for, which you'll hear in the joy, excitement and happiness we're about to have in this conversation, which is why I am so excited. You just can't leave a chat with him without a smile on your face. And I hope this episode does exactly that for you. It takes a lot to change culture, and it takes even more to change the culture in which we live and operate, and Ashish is doing it one human at a time, and I have a feeling you all out there are going to be our next victims. Let's find out how we get on board. Ashish, welcome to No More Mondays.
1: Such a pleasure to be here with you, Angie. Thank you for having me and introducing me to your lovely uh, community.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I'm kind of busting at the seams here because I want to get into the happiness squad and you know, when we when we first chatted, we realized we were connected by Jim Young, by the way, who is an episode earlier this season. And he is from a community of of other podcasters who and, and authors who just everybody I meet, I love. So as soon as I get to meet somebody from from that network, network, I get excited. So when Ashish and I first talked, I knew that this was going to just be a very, a very like lighthearted, yet serious and impactful conversation at the same time. Um, and and as we get into Happiness Squad and Hardwired Happiness, it's 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 really gonna come out. But I I think it would help everybody out there to get a little bit of background on you and and just how you even got to this point and how you first tuned into this idea that we all needed to kind of like overhaul our thinking and perspective on our lives and careers. So how did you get here?
1: Yeah, great great question, Angie. Look, you know, um, and I'll keep it I'll keep it short. Uh, but you know, I grew up in India. You know, classic uh, son of middle class family growing up in this in this in the 70s and 80s in India. Perfection mattered, top grades mattered. You know, and you pick up this story, right? That kind of has served me served me really well for like the next 40 years. Which was, if you want to be happy, you have to be successful. And if you want to be successful, you got to sweat, and you got to sweat harder than the next one, and you got to work hard, and you're gonna give it everything you've got. And if you do that, you will climb, and you'll be successful. And when you'll be successful, you'll be happy. Well, I went to you know IIT Bombay, which is one of the top engineering schools uh, in India. About two thousand people get in out of the two hundred thousand who take the exam. Joined IBM, got into consulting, did my MBA at Chicago. Was in consulting with McKinsey, rose to be a partner in seven years. Worked there for another, you know, I, I just left in August after 17 years there. I was a partner there for 10 years. But I'd found myself, you know, Angie, at 42, having checked off every box on that script that I picked up from my parents, that I picked up from the broader culture in the, India, but also in the U.S., the hustle culture that we all live in. I checked off every box. I was happily married with to my soulmate who I'd met at McKinsey We had a four year old son. We were living in Boulder. You know, I was making more money than we could spend because neither of us are big spenders. Uh, My parents were doing great. My clients loved me. I was thriving in terms of my career progression at the firm. Everything was great. Yet, but, but, right? Like perfect life. Oh my God. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, by by textbook definition, you've done everything right. And I think this is ident- a, a lot of people identify with this idea that by by cultural definition, you've made it.
1: And I literally and I would made it in every aspect, right? Like I mean, I'd come to the US literally with I don't know, like if it's like a thousand, two thousand dollars, whatever in my bank in my in my pocket, it was a loan, right? And I had, you know, at forty two, I think I was I was financially I was relatively well off. right? it was doing mean, fine, right? It was not gonna be a problem. And yet, every morning, I was waking up with anxiety and debilitating anxiety many days that I felt I needed to throw up. And I couldn't figure out why. Because there was nothing externally. It wasn't a performance pressure thing. It wasn't a toxic boss thing. It wasn't an unhealthy relationship thing. Like, it was just gnawing at me, right? And it was gnawing on me around, like, why? And the only thing I can point to was, like, you know, I was traveling And I was spending more and more time away from my family working on topics that I didn't really care about at all. But I was helping people and that kept me going. But I was making, you know, and so that was the only thing I had. And uh, a lot of people had told me, you know, you go see a therapist and they'll help you because I don't know what's your problem because you've got everything. I wouldn't say this now, but at least at that time, I was like, what is a therapist going to do for me? I have no trauma in my past and there is nothing about the future that worries me. So like this whole... You know, cognitive behavioral therapy thing is like I'm like, what do we I don't need to reframe.
0: It wasn't like that you were broken and, and needed yeah, to I don't need to be fixed. You were at a, at a, yeah. And and I say this to people because this is this this kind of like complex, I think, is very, very yes. prevalent. And I talk to people about this all the time. They're like, you know, I should be perfectly happy. I've made it mid-career, I'm on the ladder, I'm doing all the things, but just something is missing and something isn't there. And it and I think the the bottom line is it's it is Okay, to not be okay with that
1: status quo, because if
0: something's missing, then you're not okay.
1: Exactly, and you know, and in that context of looking, so I said, "Listen, I have to find the answer within, because I don't want to live with this." And I knew some of the things that were causing me stress, right? Like this whole notion of like I don't like what I'm doing, but I was stuck from a place of fear. I couldn't move. Or if I moved, I was doing the classic things that you see people who don't like what they're doing, but they don't exactly know what they want to do, do right, which is you go in multiple boats, I'm going to hedge, I'm going to keep doing this. And I'm going to do this little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that. You always
0: have, you've got the safety net, right?
1: I got to have that. And I don't want to upset the people who got me here. So like, I don't want to leave that either. But anyway, I was very grateful for the firm because I had a chance to go to this retreat. Um, It was in Portugal and for a week. Um, You know, for the first time in my life, I got, you know, I was completely disconnected. We were in nature. It was an old monastery. Um, So there was a lot of, you know, spiritual woo-woo energy about the place for those who kind of, you know, tune into that woo-woo energy.
0: You all know how much I love other people. I love people who also use the term woo-woo. Right? So So that's why Ashish and I are kindred spirits.
1: (laughs) But I mean, it was a space that allowed me to go deep. And, you know, I emerged, it was also the first time I got exposed to this whole field of therapy, psychotherapy, looking at our core wounds and who shaped us, you know, some of the practices like meditation, right? Like these notions of also why we act in the way we act. And it was just introspective space. And I emerged, Angie, that week with three big insights that shaped me and put me on this path my life mission to democratize happiness and to touch a billion lives. It was that week that that seed got sown. And it came through in three insights. The first was I realized that relationships had been the heart of who I was, was the essence of who I was. My whole life had been a web of relationships. Like I'm the crazy guy who sends 875 personalized emails at the end of the year to people. People whose lives I walked in for 25 years.
0: So you were already doing, you were already doing this in a way. It just didn't, you hadn't kind of like defined the goal of what it was, what, like what the outcome of what the activities were going to generate.
1: So, you know, relationships. The second thing I realized was, oh my God, there is this whole field that nobody taught me in school, in college, at work around human flourishing. I was going an indirect way to happiness. By the way, it's not even an indirect way. It's actually a myth. It success does not lead to happiness. It's been proven over and over again. Happiness does lead to success.
0: I mean, that cliche that money doesn't buy happiness is true. And you've heard me say it a million times on no more Mondays that cliches are tend to be a thing for a reason. It's because they're true. And I think that that's the thing is like you have to figure out when you say success doesn't doesn't. Give happiness. It's like you have to be cautious how you're defining success, because in this situation, it's the outward perception that you are successful. It's the money. It's climbing the ladder. It's all the things that society tells us make us successful. When I think the message here is you went inward to figure out what success needed to look like for you.
1: Exactly. And and how to be happier. Right. And if you are happy, you are successful in all those external measures, by the way. Uh, And then the third thing I realized was I looked around, Angie, and there were 30 other people who all were having the same experience around, you know, these practices. And they didn't know about these practices. And they all had, you know, highly successful individuals at the top of their game. Super smart, all Ivy League degrees, really doing well, but everybody's struggling with the same thing. So to your point, nothing was broken, but yet a lot was broken. And so that was that week where I said, you know what, I'm going to spend my life learning as much about this field and actually bringing this to individuals to help them flourish. Because the science of happiness, and it is the science of happiness, because this has been researched for 20 years in the field of neuroscience and positive psychology around what are the practices that help us be happy? What are the practices that lead to higher life satisfaction? And it is completely not taught in any school, any college. It is not taught in leadership programs at companies. And that's the reason why we are living in a world where there's a crisis at every level. First time in humanity, by the way, first time ever, you know, on a serious note, there is a crisis. Think about it. Economically, we are at the highest rate of inflation, at the facing down a precipice of depression, uh, you know, of, of a downturn. Ecologically, we have fires, hurricanes, earthquakes, floods every week. In terms of connection and humanitarian, you know, the level of racial unrest, which is still brewing, the level of polarization that we have in this country and in the world, we don't trust each other as much. We can't even take each other's perspective. For the first time, the the life expectancy has gone down. I mean, it's through the pandemic, but it has gone down. Right. So almost every domain that we look, you know, there is a crisis. Never, ever in the history has this been the case. You know, we've had wars, but we weren't torn apart as nations. You know, we've had racial unrest and we've had all of these marches, but there were other pieces that were in place. And this was, you know, my insight as I looked at this work and I was doing my own work, Angie, was I realized that I think the reason we have a crisis at our level is that we have created a world where the complexity in the world is higher than our individual ability to hold complexity. By the way, this is not Ashish's theory. This is theory coming out of Harvard, adult development theory by Robert Keegan and uh, Leahy, Lisa Leahy. We are fundamentally living in a world that is more complex than we are. And when we live from that place, what happens is we try and control it, we try and simplify a more complex system, and we fail continuously. Our answers to solutions only make things worse, but also individually we struggle with stress and anxiety and burnout because we get triggered and we go into our fear survival mindset because whatever we're doing doesn't work. right? And I realized that this is at the core of why we have a crisis at every level. This is at the core of why despite being more prosperous by any standard, by more by living longer in terms of the technical you know advances in life sciences, by being more connected, through technology and by being more efficient, yet why are we busier than ever, more disconnected, you know, suffering from chronic ailments, and frankly, consuming at ever increasing rates? We are not satisfied.
0: It's almost a—it's a lot of like superficial connection too. It's and I think that to go back to that idea of when you got introspective, I think that we we are less in tune with ourselves as well than we ever have been because we live it. We, we're moving at such a fast pace. Uh, we're so distracted, and we have that perception of connection yes. via technology, uh, which which is a good enabler, and it it has done wonderful things for the world. However, I think that we have we have swung so far in the pendulum to that side, that the real human connection with ourselves and with others has fallen by the wayside. And and that's really what you're, you're trying to repair, right?
1: Exactly. I'm trying to repair that. And I'm also, there's a couple of other pieces that I'm trying to put in place, you know, Angie, and one of them is directly like, you know, when, when you and I connected, that's, why I was like, oh my God, like Angie, like, this is amazing. So for me, one of the big shifts that happened, and that's the path and that's your passion and that's your mission for like what you do, right? There is, theres lack of meaning in what people are doing. So for me, once I found my Ikigai, this notion of catalyzing, democratizing human flourishing, I don't have Mondays. You know, in fact, actually I I, I was gonna say it's not it's no longer about no more Mondays for me. It is about hell yeah Mondays. In fact, yeah. hell yeah Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Every day is a beautiful it's, it's day. It's like hell
0: yeah, I don't know what day it is, but it's good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? And yes, do I still have stresses and things as you build something? Of course you do, but you look forward to engaging with work. You don't go like, oh my God, like really do I have to do it? Because it's not work, it's life. It's my mission, it's my calling, it's what I'm here for. Um, And that's what I love about what you're doing.
0: Thank you. Uh, Well, and yeah, also I should have warned you, you're gonna have a love fest for the next 20 minutes. But uh, it's the what I feel is so incredible. Like I know people are like, well who is this guy Angie's talking to he wants to impact a billion people but it's but there are a billion people to impact not just because there are more than a billion people on this planet but if if you all had the conversations i have with with people especially in the career space the number of times the following statement comes out of somebody's mouth is i want to do something more meaningful or i feel like i don't have any purpose it is a it is a real problem especially for those of us who are in like that mid-career space who grew up with the parents of the generation that set up those that success story in our head and it's so rooted in us, we all followed that path. And now that the world has shifted and allows us more space to pursue our potential, there's a little phrase you may be seeing in the future, teaser, however, but, you know, if, if, we have the space and ability to pursue our potential more than we ever have, yet we kind of almost suck ourselves back into the old school reality and we don't actually do it. And it's very common with people that are in their like their late 30s, early 40s and older because we started our careers in that like old guard because that's what the culture told us. And there's a huge shift and we need to take advantage of it.
1: For sure, Angie, and I will tell you like, you know, this notion of a billion just uh, for your listeners. I mean, this is a call, right, for you. And I'll explain a little bit about why billion. It's not out of personal hubris or like, oh, a billion looks like a good number. You know, It's it's it came from for, and I'm going to talk about why, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the how, because there is, there is something, there's a role in it for everyone. The why is very simple. As I mentioned, the reason we have a crisis is because at we are taking decisions out of fear. We've gotten hardwired for fear and 8 billion people are doing that, right? And so I can say, yeah, I want to affect 10,000, 100,000. I fully recognize unless we do it at a scale and at the right scale of that billion, we're going to still, you know, we're not going to make a difference, right? It's not going to make, it's like, you know, a little bit more salt in ocean is not going to make any difference.
0: That's a great way to put it. Everybody just went, huh, I think you're right. No more salt in the ocean, is it going to matter? Right.
1: And so like, if you actually fundamentally affect a billion, I think the people and the lives they lead and the decisions they make, especially if they are, you know, they're influencer, uh, you know, leading large organizations, leading families. I think you start to make a difference. That's why I chose a billion. I'll tell you a second reason why I chose a billion. When you focus in on, I want to affect a billion people, look, there are five or seven people that touch a billion people in the world. I am not one of them. I have, I have, I like, I have like no shot at being like Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister of India, President Xi, the President of China, the Pope. You know, they. Yeah, they,
0: unfortunately, Bezos is on that list, but I think that we're going to do something a little bit is, better than Amazon, right?
1: Like, yeah, I mean, you know, Bezos, but his company, he, he doesn't, right? His company that he's created. Very does. good point. Uh, same with Facebook. Facebook does, but not Zuckerberg, and in in ways that you know, unfortunately, are so terrible. But my view was, but you know what touches a billion people every day? In fact, what touches 8 billion people? 8 billion people. People touch people. Ideologies and revolutions touch people. And that's what I'm in the midst of, right? So this notion at the heart of how I want to achieve the billion is I'm creating at the core an open architecture company, which creates the assets, creates journeys but then pushes it out to the periphery for individuals to take this work and do this work with their people in their community, right? So for example, I'm working with an amazing leader who is a veteran who wants to take this work and actually bring it to the veteran community. And we're going to build, you know, we're building a community and we're building assets in terms of these masterclasses that she can take and work in that community. I had somebody reach out for me from Philippines. She's like, wow, I love this mission. How can I help? I'm like, here's how you can help. I have a platform. I have a class. Work with your people and translate this content into your context. So this
0: is the happiness squad, right? We're talking about the happiness squad.
1: This is the happiness squad.
0: Tell So how do people get involved in this initiative? How do they leverage the resources? What's it for? Who could benefit from it? I just like, go, go there.
1: Yeah. So I think in two different ways, people can, uh, you know, um, people will be able to access this. So the first is we're building a community. Uh, it's going to be community.happinessquad.com, And we're officially launching it. We're in a pilot phase right now, but we officially launch it on uh, the week of March 21st. It's, the, it's that week of World Happiness Day, the UN World Happiness Day. And then it's going to be available from April. And to stay true to the mission and making sure that this community allows people to kind of, you know, integrate these practices into their lives, taking all excuses out, Angie. The community is going to be a paid community, but it's literally a dollar a day. And so my pitch to people is, if you want to be happy, if you want to be healthy, what is the price you're willing to pay for it? And if you're willing to pay a dollar a day and invest five minutes of your time a day, five minutes and a dollar, you can learn about micro practices and pick six to nine over a year that will help you be happier, healthier, have more love and meaning. So this is all about doing. It is not about knowing. We've known about mindfulness, gratitude, self-awareness, these practices. Very few of us do it. And so this community, right? And so that's what this is about. And
0: I love practical. I am practical, tactical action. That's me. So I love, and that's, that's where like, We talk about woo-woo and sometimes I talk about it negatively, but woo-woo is a lot of times where things start. Woo-woo is good. It has a place, but it's only as good as the doer behind it. And that's what you're giving people a mechanism
1: to do. Exactly. You know, we are addressing the core elements. You know, we have, you know, we have an epidemic of loneliness. 60% of people in the U.S. are lonely. The numbers are similar in the world. So community fixes that. We're going to have a community of like-minded people who are working and joined together. It's a community of learners, teachers, and practitioners. Learners, teachers, but most importantly, practitioners. It's a space we show up weekly to practice, learn and practice with others to fundamentally integrate these into our life. Every micro practice that I've designed into this program is five minutes or less. Five minutes or less. It's very,
0: it's very implementable regardless of where you're at. And we're, we're going to get some out of you here in a I'm second. G-
1: so I'm going to give you a couple of them. I'm going to give you a couple of them right good. here. We won't even tease it. Right. So like, here's a very simple, how many <laughs> people tell you be, do meditation? Do you meditate?
0: Oh yeah. With well, that's or I have a morning routine where I meditate. Yeah. That's the, that is a very, very common right? practice. Good practice.
1: Really good practice. A lot of people, you know, it's crazy. So that's amazing that you meditate. Most people, like it's like 70, 80% people don't meditate even though they're good. And the most common excuse I hear from people is, dude, I don't have time to be mindful.
0: Don't have time. Right?
1: So I say, look, what is meditation? Meditation is one way we are practicing mindfulness. And I love this definition of John Kabat-Zinn, which is what I use to create these practices. He defines mindfulness as the awareness that arises when we pay attention on intention in the present moment without judgment. Okay. When we are paying attention.
0: There's two really important words there, everyone. Without judgment, because we are constantly, constantly judging, judging ourselves, judging others, judging ourselves against others. I mean, it is, and it, it, most of it's subconscious and you don't, you don't really realize it's happening, but if you, exactly. you realize how much it's happening and, and take it out, it's like,
1: Oh, whoa. Right? And I'll tell you on the subconscious, what do we do subconsciously? On average, people check their phones 96 times in a day.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, we all have, if you have an iPhone, there's an app that tells you how many times you picked up your phone. So go check it. I encourage you all to look at that. I encourage you to pick up your phone and look at that specific set of statistics on Sunday afternoon when they like to send it to you because you're going to feel like a terrible human and you're <laughs> going to stop picking up your phone if you look at it. But yes, and that's that, that goes back to that kind of idea of being so distracted. Exactly. We are never centered in ourselves.
1: We're never here. We're never in the present, right? So this notion of, so the practice that is one of the micro practices is a mindful minute. And so what I say is think about activities that you do every day. We all brush, right? To all these people say, I don't have time. I'm like, do you brush in the morning? I'm like, of course I brush. I brush twice a day. I'm like, good. Tomorrow or this evening when you brush, just do the first minute mindfully. Notice which hand you pick up the brush. Notice the toothpaste. You probably use the same toothpaste because you like the flavor. But when was the last time you really reconnected with that flavor, that freshness, that tingling, you know, whether it's a spearmint or a peppermint or whatever, do you even remember which one you always go to? Right. And just take a minute.
0: And it's such a funny thing to like pay attention to. But it's it's almost like tuning back into things that we take for granted. Not that, you know, I mean, it's okay to take toothpaste for granted, but it's just it's more about tuning into kind of processes that have become very automated and like like roboticized in our day to day and and seeing like how you can explore them differently or. Uh, get new realizations through things that otherwise are very automated. And mechanized. through
1: that, plant the seed of mindfulness, right? So I have five practices in this in this one micro practice that I say, think about five moments in a day, brushing, eating, bathing, having a cup of tea, even answering the phone when the phone rings. We can take the bell. In fact, I have t- changed my ring tune to a meditation bell. So when my phone rings, it's just a reminder to take three breaths, Mindfully, just connect with what's here and now and then pick up the phone.
0: Or one of the recommendations I give people is you turn the ringer off. Yeah. There's a, ooh, there's a, you're like, wait, what? I won't know if the phone rings. Yeah. You won't know if the phone rings. A buzz is a lot less invasive to uh, yourself and to others around you than a ring And um, just, but it's, but whether it's changing it to something kind of like more pleasant or changing it so you don't hear it, the point is changing it because we all remember the fifth grade story of Pavlov's dog. Exactly. So it's really about like trying to like, I think, shake up routines, right? Because, because then you're able to kind of bring more awareness to just yourself, your present, and then you have the ability to potentially kind of take stock and look at things and go, okay, wait, where am I at? in life as far as happiness and success? And am I going at the right things? Am I approaching this well? And if any of the answers to those are no, now you're going to be able to have some tools and a community to support
1: the change. And you know, Angie, I'll tell you, there is so much power in what you just, by the way, say, right? So I've changed it to a bell because it actually is soothing for me, but I do have periods where my phone is off. All my notifications are off, right? So I do both. But I'll tell you, there is so much beauty to to what you're actually saying and you're encouraging your listeners they, you know I think finding at least three four hours where your finger is off is important because when we are and this is the state for most of us right when we are incredibly busy trying to get a lot of things done, when the phone rings, our bodies there's a stress response because all of a sudden you know we're not go- very rarely is the the thought that goes to the brain, Oh my God, which friend of mine is calling me right now? Usually it is like, what what who is it? Oh and no, what do they want? Wrong. What do they want from me? What do they want from <laughs> me? What does somebody yeah. want from me right now? Like I gotta get all this thing done, right? And yet and yet we so right up there, we get an adrenaline and a cortisol shot. Right. So on an already activated sympathetic system, we're kind of adding in a stress. And then we pick up the phone and then we'll talk. And then, you know, there we go right? Like it's like we're creating our own triggers and our own stressors. So this notion of going to something that is a more gentle or even off, or like something that is not jarring is so powerful. It's so powerful. Because it's it's the reason we are in a state of burnout isn't that our our bodies are made to handle stress. What our bodies are not made to handle is a continuous activation of our sympathetic with no coping built in the middle. That's what we're not built for
0: that let that kind of sink in, but also the burnout word is very true. And I think in a way that's probably a good general or generic term to apply to everything that's happening in our lives is that we're all freaking burnout all the time. Yeah. So in the, in the advice segment of no more Mondays, which is where we are right now, we've got the idea of like, I would say being present and some tools to do that, whether it is actually practicing mindfulness, being aware of even routine activities, We've got this idea of like maybe disconnect from your technology just a little bit. You said earlier that idea of when you were in Portugal, you were outside and you were disconnected. Welcome to Outdoor Life Lessons, everybody, because that is a huge message I'm a big fan of. You know, we live in the mountains in the summer. We are out out in the back country, no phone for a couple of days. It's like the best, most restorative thing ever. But it is also true that when you come back, you have that anxiety of like, what did I miss? But, it, but if you can like, Condition yourself a little bit to kind of tune out daily. Uh, Then when you tune out for longer, it doesn't feel so bad to come back. But we've got this idea of like mindfulness and presence. Tune out a little bit from technology so that you can be more present. Give us a third very practical like action type tool people can deploy for kind of, let's say, mindfulness to, to bring the woo into reality.
1: Very simple. And you do it all the time. And it's right under our nose. We breathe. The power of breath. So planting our feet, and I encourage people to do this at least four times a day. Okay, plant your feet. Just close your eyes and just take five mindful breaths. Let's do it together. Breathe in. And breathe out. Just noticing how our chest expands when we breathe in our belly expands, and then just breathe out from your mouth as if you're sipping out of a straw. Breathe out.
0: It's also scientifically proven to lower your heart
1: rate. Exactly. It allows our parasympathetic system to come online. It's the restorative recovery part of our nervous system.
0: We just made everybody so uncomfortable. They're like, uh, why are they not talking? This is a podcast. I encourage you to actually just pause this and do what we just said. You'll notice a huge, huge, huge difference. Um, it's also one of the things, speaking of of woo woo, it's one of the reasons yoga is actually a really great physical aspect of the physical practice to bring into mindfulness, is because not only is it just a good movement for your body, but one of the very core principles of it is the breath. And you really learn how to use it to lower stress, lower anxiety. Bring your heart rate down if you're in a situation when you're, you know, where things aren't going well. So maybe there's another tip is Angie just told you all to go to yoga once a
1: week. Yeah. And in fact, you know, Angie, I'll tell you, you talked about the mountains and I bet there's many, a lot of your listeners who might not have access to that. But again, research is very clear. Even seeing a photograph of nature printed in front of you has huge restorative effects than just checking your phone. If you have a plant, take a small green plant and put it in your desk. And just even a minute, just noticing, right? Again, just noticing the plant, the green, the colors, how it rises. Just a minute of that tunes ourselves to wonder, to awe, right? Because there is so much that we don't even notice, the little details. And those are things that can, again, it's all about allowing our parasympathetic system to be online and not be constantly triggered. There is a scientific tool. Uh, there's a, a device, you know, we measure its instrument. Your your iPhone, by the way, does that too. It's uh, heart rate variability, HRVs. You know, our watches have that. Many of the devices have it. Heart rate variability is how variable is your heart rate? For most people, it is super shallow because we're constantly triggered. We're constantly in a state of overdrive. And so training our systems to actually behave in the way they are designed, our bodies are designed for, huge unlock. And it is not about doing less. Right? Literally, I mean, that's the magic of it. A lot of people say like, well, yeah, that's all great. you know. If I could do less, I would. Do think I would. And I'm like, no, this is not about doing less. So these practices, Angie, very practical. I can point to a lot of so research that shows it, but you know, my uh, I borrowed this word from Tal Ben-Shahar. My me research, my me search, as I integrated them into my life. He uses the word me search. I love it. Me search proved to me my last three to five years at McKinsey. I was seventy percent. You know, I, I I took basically I was working three and a half days because I was working the other three and a half days. It wasn't work. It was life. I was I was researching, I was reading, I was learning, I was meditating, I was integrating many of these practices into my life. I was more effective. I got more done in three and a half days at the firm. In every metric, billings, impact, relationships, happiness at work, on every dimension. Everything was higher at 70% than when I was 100%. And by the way, I got more done and I had more energy, even though technically... If we use the old measure of work, I was working seven days a week.
0: Uh well, and that's why, isn't it Denmark that just went to a four-day work week? I I actually um don't work on Fridays as much as possible and notice a huge yes. difference between a like a three-day recuperation period and a and a two-day. Uh so if you are a manager or a business owner or an executive out there, there is a lot of evidence to suggest this might be a good move and if you have the ability to do like four tens, even though it's still 40 could be it could be a huge difference to you and it's another like just a very I would say practical, very practical thing that you can implement into your work your work schedule that can make a huge difference to your life. Yeah. And you know, Ashisha, it's this is like I could we could talk all day about all the little things that you can incorporate into life. and there's like 17 different ideas in this last 10 minutes of conversation. And so tell everybody like how do they actually tune into this? If the, if you would like this to be the shameless plug portion, we can call it that. But <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got the community coming out. You have a new podcast that just went out. There is a book. Like how does everybody Get the take yes. like get the stuff and the goods so that they can actually follow through on some of these ideas.
1: Now, thank you, Angie. So so a couple of different ways. One, you know, go to our website, happinessquad.com. You can learn a bit more about me. You can get to know about the book. Um, you know, all of that, right? So I think that's one great source. As I mentioned, you know, please sign up also there to just a mailing list so that when we announce that this community is live, you can hear about it and join it right away.
0: You all want to be there. If you don't, if you don't, I don't know what's wrong
1: with you. I'm just telling you. It's going, <laughs> to be your, it's going to be
0: your homework. If you're working with me as a client, everybody, join the happiness squad.
1: Thank you. So I think that's the second, second way. And then as you mentioned, like the podcast is live. It literally, this is our week one of the podcast. It is called the happiness squad podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. Please go have a listen, uh, subscribe to it. And that's our mission on the, on the podcast is to really bring thought leaders, experts that can help us hardwire ourselves for happiness.
0: Funny, I didn't make this correlation when we talked the first time, not recorded. But when you mentioned earlier, I also went to engineering school at a, at a at a very prestigious school and it's just it's interesting i i still say that I like engineers make great entrepreneurs if they're not actually wired to be <laughs> engineers which is why i think this is kind of so funny um and i and and so there's a lot that just kind of parallels your story parallels with me and i i just and and i realized a long time ago when i actually was practicing engineering how common this plight was and how just mediocre we all we were fine with mediocrity. Yes, I'm fine. And, and I think that what you and I are both trying to do, whether it's through career coaching or the happiness squad or books or connecting a billion people is, is letting people ha- give themselves, giving people permission to not be mediocre.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, and I will add an to that Angie one, give permission not to be mediocre and for the others who are who say yeah 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 that's not me i'm a perfectionist check in on what's driving your perfectionist drive is it a story that the only way i can be loved is if i'm perfect or is it truly perfectionist because i want to give it the best i got just check in with that oh check in with that that's
0: a mic drop moment i also have to say there's reference to at least three other podcasts in this conversation today and i think it's worth dropping them because Heather Welpley and I had a conversation on an episode earlier this season about letting go of perfectionism and how it actually can be, it is more of a negative than it's a positive.
1: It is toxic.
0: And then um, many episodes ago, Craig Knight and I talked about workplace uh, satisfaction and like the, the theory of psychology of workplaces where we specifically talk about how the green plant in the office is a total game changer. And then there's this third one that, and, and, And Ashish, you and Michael have to connect. Michael O'Brien, it's a recent episode that just came out. He has a mindfulness initiative and an app called Pause, Breathe, Reflect, where he's helping people bring tiny little bits of mindfulness and meditation into their day. We talk about breathing. So if all of you out there are like, I've heard this, it's because you need to hear it more than once. And this is a great message. This is really good stuff that it doesn't only just... You know, we don't talk about this just because we want to go record a conversation, even though we just want to record a conversation, too. Let's be real. We're podcasters. But it's really because it is meant to 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 help people with the bigger picture of, you know, being more satisfied and having tools with which to get there and get through the journey, because it's not like you flip a switch overnight and you got to figure out what what works for you as well. But that's that's really what this is all about. It's what the happiness squad is meant to do.
1: Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. It is to flip the switch. It is to hardwire ourselves for happiness versus our wiring for fear. And if we change that, because friends, think about it. None of us have a shot at controlling the external world. But what we do have a 100% shot at is mastering our inner worlds. Let's just do that. We can choose who we want to be. We can choose where we want to grow. Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody.
0: That's an amazing piece of advice, and I think that that's a good point for me to probably say we should wind things down because this could be a four-hour podcast if we <laughs> wanted it to. But I think that and, – and, and and as we close things out, I always ask for another pearl of wisdom, that that last gold nugget, and what you just said was, was probably a great one. But let's get another one because I know you have it. Like, what is your number one piece of advice on how everybody out there does get one step further to this satisfaction and this happiness that we have talked so much about?
1: Yeah. So I'll just build on the last one, right? Just uh, on, and just say this really powerful practice. You can do it in a minute. The first thing you do when you wake up, choose your intention, set your intention for how you want to be today. And you can choose a word, grateful mindful, curious, loving, social. Pick one of the nine words, ten words that are you know optimistic and set an intention for who you want to be that day. Because often we go into what we want to do today. Don't worry about that. Just focus on who you want to be. You have 100% control over that regardless of the gifts the universe has in store for you that day. Gifts, curses, what have you. I say that sarcastically. But you know what? But it's true. You don't you don't control those, but you can control how you're going to meet it. How you're going to meet and see what shifts for you when you hold your stand for what you stand for today, who you want to be today.
0: And when you can control what you can control, the stuff you can't control becomes a lot more either insignificant or manageable.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. This is me.
0: awesome. Thank you so much. I can't wait to um, I'm just gonna say it, be on the Happiness Squad podcast. There you go. That's my intention for the day. <laughs> I like how I turned that one around. <laughs> but there is uh, what I I love the idea of giving people practical, actionable tools to help us live a better life. And if you and I have the ability to, while being uh, individually driven and and having presence, have the ability to go do that for a billion people, then hell yeah, I'm on board.
1: Awesome. Let's make that happen. Let's go change the world and help people live with more joy, health, love, and meaning.
0: Let's do it. It is the Happiness Squad movement. It is the No More Mondays movement. Everybody, uh, I think that you could all agree Ashish is an, an amazing addition to this community. And I am very excited to see what we all do together. I'm so appreciative of your time. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for inspiring everybody out there.
1: Thank you for having me. Take care, Angie.
0: You as well. And everyone out there, I hope that you took some notes. This is worth listening to again, because this is jam-packed. And I hope to see all of you in Ashisha's Happiness Squad community opening here just in a few weeks. And for those of you out there, I would love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays and the Happiness Squad podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's a huge help to people like Ashish and I, as we, as we now, we, I'm going to throw a we in there, (laughs) as we work to impact a million people on this planet and get you all to more satisfying careers and life. We want to be able to bring you these stories. And I know it seems weird, but ratings and followings and all that crap on the social stuff helps us. So please. Go do it. And if you want to grab the show notes from today, um, including all the links, leave us comments, give us a guest suggestion, give us feedback, tell us how amazing we are, all the things, visit us online at nomoremondays.info. You will be able to access all the links and Ashisha's community, his books, his podcast there. And in the meantime, I will see you on Wednesday next week for another edition of No More Mondays. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your professional life and find career satisfaction. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info for all the details, show notes, and recommendations from this episode. No More Mondays, we drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com.